Welcome back to the pod, everybody. We uh we got a special episode for you today. Gotten I don't really have a, a direct topic to talk about with y'all. So what we're gonna do instead is kind of share some stories of our times working together when we were down at Georgia Southern and some of the funny moments we came across and maybe some of the frustrating and stressful moments we came across as well. But uh, we hope you guys enjoy this one. Scott, let's uh, let's kind of dig into this. So first thing I do want to talk about is probably one of my favorite moments and one of the funniest moments we had on the road. But uh, that was uh, our road trip up to Furman. Yeah, I mean, this would have been 2012 when Patrick was there. Man, we um, we had a fun season where it just seemed like there was a lot of things. There were a lot more stories that are that are similar to this, I guess. But there's a lot of things that it just wasn't going our way when you go on the road and you get to another facility and you just kind of kind of duct tape this all right can we move that can we repurpose this it was it was a lot of macgyver type stuff going on and uh we got to Furman, and it it was kind of a perfect storm brewing of needing to get stuff done and and we we ended up (laughs) building a lot of memories that year because of things like this but yeah we got there and and want to say it was still fairly early in the year so it was pretty hot if I remember correctly, and we went up to, um, for those of you who've never been to Furman University's football field, you've kind of got this like straight downhill grass hill that you have to push out um, from your locker room. So Patrick and I, being the people primarily in charge of coach comp, we would have had to push that stuff out to the field. So getting it down there and getting it pushed across grass, I mean, anyone who's pushed the old coach comp system knows that that thing didn't roll too well on grass anyway. Getting it out there, it's nice and hot, and then you got to go then put the uh, upstairs unit upstairs. Furman had a weird situation, I think, where it was goes up the elevator, then to the end of a hallway, but then there were stairs, right? Uh, I think it was like through some doors and like up a couple set of stairs. It might have been up some stairs, but either way, it was it's tight, tight hallways. It's yeah, it's just a pain getting your your coach comm unit into it. And once we get everything in and start setting everything up, we had some particular coaches, we'll say, who. And everybody, every coach is different, but our coaches wanted and demanded in in their opinions, needed the windows in the press box open. If they could be opened, they needed to be as wide open as possible. Yep. And and I'll, in their defense, a lot of the, the press boxes in the Southern Conference at this time were pretty hot. If they were air conditioned at all, it was not well. And when you're talking about a lot of these press boxes um, just have glass windows with no blinds and the sun just beats on them all day. So just no makes that of, room. Yeah. No amount of air conditioning is going to help that at all. They're, they're going to bake. So they'd want it open to at least get some wind flow. Now, not going to say what side of the ball this coach was on so that it's not easy to determine who it was. But there may have been another reason for the windows being open where it would be, you know, third down and you needed – to convert um, what you were trying to do on that play to either stop the team or to get the first down. <laughs> and being real uh, careful here how I word this. And they, uh, they would make a play call, and then they'd lean out the window to any fans that had been annoying them, which some of these fans are fairly close to this press box window. It's not like these big stadiums. They're like, watch this, and yell some obscenities. and be like, we're going to do effing blah right down your f and throw <laughs> so there was some smack talk that went back and forth but bottom line they, was they liked fan interaction very, very into fan interaction but the bottom line was we got these windows and they got to come open and they were like glass with a thick um pane at the bottom and probably no less than 800 pounds I mean, they were just the heaviest things ever. Yeah, they were probably from 25 years when the stadium was built. And there were, you know, it was like a window you see in your house, like an old wood frame window you see in your house. And it was an old wood frame window that no longer stayed up. Well, someone's listening to this. And if that's the the same window situation, they're like, yes. But uh, yeah, and we, it was a tag team effort. And we'd we'd both been there before. So we knew we'd need two people to go up there, set this up. So Patrick went up with me, and we're, you know, usually there several com- uh, conference opponents have these windows. So usually what you do is one of you gets up, stands on the countertop right there, lifts the window up, um, and the other one will put, because none of them stayed up on their own. So there would usually be these wooden dowels or some kind of... Just like a wooden block or like a one-by-one board of something to, to go up into this... Yeah, I mean, something... Like into the jam. Skinny. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was usually something skinny, just some kind of like pointer stick that was at a certain height that you could shove it in the window and it would hold the window up. Well, if I remember correctly, we only had one, but there were two windows. Two windows, yep. Yep. So then, <laughs> then the issue became, well, we can't have one window open and not the other one. So we're walking around. I think there was a facilities guy there that we asked, and they were like, I don't know, man. There's uh, only two. There was only three up here, and we took two of them for the Furman Co. Perfect. Sweet. Good. That's awesome. So we were we were looking around trying to find um, another thing, and I think we went back to the locker room first. We went back to the locker room to see if there was anything that we had just in, in the mix of our trunks that might be able to hold this window up and just tried to troubleshoot it a little bit and eventually made our way back to the press box and just started scouring over every room to see if anybody had anything that could help us and eventually made our way up the ladder. So there's a there's a ladder in the back of the, the press box area that takes you up to the very top of the press box where usually the video guys set up and you know they give you as high a vantage point as possible to look down into the field for, for film review later. And we're searching around up there as well and eventually we find just... Uh, I guess some old chairs. I would call it a graveyard of failed Furman classroom furniture. Mm-hmm. These were like old desks. There were some chairs, but there were some like... They were like the desk, desk chairs. So where like yeah, the desk like, was built in. Yeah. Where, you, where if you're a fat kid in school, it's like, how do you get into this thing? And how do you get out if you do get in? Yeah, correct. It was one of those that, that cuts into the circulation there. Really comfortable to sleep on in high school. Um it was just they had a, a mountain of them. I mean, picture, picture a zombie movie where you're trying to keep people from getting into the room you're in, and all you have are chairs you and just it's stack them mangled mess at the door. That's what this was on the corner of the roof of the Furman press box, but they were completely wooden, so it wasn't like the newer stuff where it was metal, because um, then we would have been out of luck. But they were like rotting at this point. Like half of them were like rotten dry. and like falling apart and. Yeah, it was. So we'd start searching through this pile for loose boards that were probably what uh, two feet, about two feet. We were, yeah, we were looking for anything that was broken. We broke the back off of one. It was already off. We like broke it in half at one point because there was a board coming out. But like we said, most of the stuff was dry rotted and wasn't going to work anyway. I'm going to hold your 800 pound window up. <laughs> Correct. So I just kind of took a step back, looked at Scott, and just said. F it, I'm, I'm just watch out to make sure nobody's coming up here. And yeah, I think one of our video kids might have been up there. We're just like, you keep your mouth shut. Yeah, like you never saw us. This never happened. And I just started wrecking one of these desk chairs, like stomping on it, ripping this sucker apart until I got like the back support bar, if you will, off of this thing. And then it was still in two kind of pieces, like something was still stuck to it. it and was I a think, leg. yeah, it was. So, yeah, so we got a leg and. There were like a, a couple things still stuck to it. And so like I picked it up, this mangled mess of desk that we have left. And you and I kind of just like ripped it apart. Yeah. So we ended up with this <laughs> leg that would give you a splinter if you weren't careful. But it had like the little metal base to it. I thought, yeah. Metal. So it was a really mangled chair. And you look on the ground and it's, I mean, in a, it sounds weird to say in a mangled mess of wooden desks, we made a mess. But there was just, we kind of isolated this desk and then butchered it. So you've got all this wood on the ground. We're just kind of sweeping it back to the other pile of crap with our feet. Just like kicked it back over there and we we're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And then, then we went down and I remember hoping we didn't see the facilities guys who basically told us, sorry, like we can't help you. Like you're going to have a window shut. Screw yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I was like, man, I hope we do see him. So I'd be like, we got your freaking dowel right here. Yeah, right here, pal. <laughs> but so we went in there, shoved that up there, and uh, we had our windows open. Our coaches were able to communicate with fans and involve in fan engagement while uh, I believe we won that game. We beat the wheels off those guys. Yeah. and Nothing uh, against Furman. They just, we had a really good team that year. I mean, really. We really did. I would say we were the second best team in the country that year. Yeah. Uh, but – went to uh went to go clean up after the game and and one of the coaches coming out passes me because i always went up to clean that up with a couple minutes left in the game especially mm-hmm. if we were beating the tar out of them i go see if there was any cookies or snacks left up from in the press box and 
I get up there to clean that stuff up, and one of them comes out, and he's like, "You guys got a little uh, improvisation going on with the uh, with the window? What the heck is that?" And you go look at it, and you're like, "It, it kind of stands out like a sword thumb. You got this window propped up with a wooden desk chair leg." No, it stuck out. It stuck out like crazy, and not to mention it's a little bit curved. Yeah, it's like it didn't it sit straight. like in the jam itself. Like it literally kind of like curved out a little bit. So it was very very obvious that we legitimately just rigged something up. And it's a major award. Hey, we did we not take it home with us? We did. Afterwards, there was no way that thing wasn't going home with us. Um, it was a, it was kind of indicative of how that season was going. I mean, it was just it seemed like everywhere we went. Was that the year we went to Samford, or did Samford come to us that year? There was um, one year we went to Samford. They put us on that second floor of that like academic building that sits up at the top of that hill in one end zone. And we had to like get the trunks down some stairs and then you had to push them back and forth down the hill to get to the sideline. After that, they started, um, after the game, they, they were like, we got a trailer. We'll drive your stuff back up there. We're like, oh, thank God. But I don't yeah, know if no. it's the same year or not, but it was similar stuff where it's like that conference, man, you go to Western Carolina and their press box was a trailer on stilts and you're carrying up five flights of stairs, no elevator. You're carrying up your coach comm unit. I mean, it was stuff like that where we were just dealing with rough times all around and, and having to duct tape everything. It seemed like nothing yeah, I mean, would break. One point at App, they were renovating their press box and they basically took two shipping containers, painted them black, cut holes in them, and it was literally a shipping container with a window in it, like that they just kind of rigged up. So, I mean, you can imagine Boone, North Carolina, the mountains of North Carolina in the you know fall and winter. Once it starts getting cold. You plug in okay. space. You have to plug in space heaters, and you're praying to God that you don't plug in too many, because then you'll blow the circuit breaker and you'll lose your your headsets too. Yeah, that actually I'm happened. I'm <laughs> sure it has. I mean, if you if you could think of it, it's happened at a football stadium. But that was also the year of the playoffs. We went to Old Dominion, and it was their old press box when they just restarted that program. I think they've since changed it, but it was on um it was on like an incline the way it was built. So, so we like to put our our box, which it was a thin hallway of a press box anyway but we like to kind of put our our coach com box at the back of the room it sits on wheels but we like to put it at the back of the room just keep it out of the way we usually would tape the the cords down um just make it look nice and pretty as best you can with the wires that are in there but this room was so small and it was built on an incline and i could not figure out any way to keep it was such a steep incline i couldn't do anything to keep those casters from rolling so we had like this countertop with coaches sitting there and your uh your coach comm unit sitting up against the countertop with them and then never mind that the fans were in the the back row of fans were literally at just about eye level with our coaches and at one point one of them they scored an opening touchdown and he stands up turns around and looks at our offensive coordinator's face goes woo and he just kind of points out and says sit down and that was that was the last time that kid stood up but so we went through these unique experiences all year that we just kind of had it so naturally we're gonna make sure we hold on to that because i mean equipment guys are weird we take trophies oh that sat on that sat on my desk for the rest of rest of the year it was kind of on the top of my desk and like a little trophy trophy case if you will um yeah but i also i also want to talk about north dakota state and what we had you doing uh man because i had to leave like three days before that game in a truck with one other guy and we would literally change drivers every time we had to stop for gas and drove straight from statesboro georgia to fargo fargo north dakota and one of the worst road trips i've ever taken that was um that was rough and i know it was for you because i a few years later drove to montana from from statesboro so I know that's a rough drive, uh, but yeah, man, that I have such bad memories of that place, and and any North Dakota State fans or employees listening to this will just giggle. But man, we went up there back to back years for the semifinals with Georgia Southern, and and first year we just got beat down, but it's hard to have your season end, of course. Second year we really should have won that game. I mean, we we gave it to them there at the end. It was such a good game, so close. So it's just, just we back and up. forth. I mean, it was that was pro- I mean, whoever. When that game was winning the national championship that year. I don't think anybody would have had anything else to say about that. No, I mean, they beat Sam Houston State and Georgia Southern's future coach, Willie Fritz, um, for the second year in a row in yeah. the national championship. But I just thought 
that we were clearly the second best team in the country that year. And we had a field goal to tie it, like kind of as time expired that got blocked. So yeah. it was really tight, really crazy game. But they, uh, no, you get there. And, and for those of you who haven't been, and people, you can correct me on this if you want, but I swear in my memory, it was this far and people tell me I'm crazy, but the, where your truck backs up to it, North Dakota state, they would bring these like rolling pallets out for you, um, hand trucks and stuff. And you would roll your bags and anything that didn't have wheels down there. But I swear it was like 50 yards. It was at least, at least. See, I always say that and people are like, it was right around the corner. It wasn't that far. I thought it was pretty far. It's a, it's a, it's a walk. Yeah. So, so the way it's set up, it's actually really nice credit North Dakota state, but they use it as a, it's the Fargo Dome. It's not just the universities. It's the city of Fargo, I believe, owns and operates it, and they lease it as a university or something. But they do wrestling tournaments there, concerts, conventions, all kinds of things. So the way the locker room was set up was once you roll it 50 yards, you've got like another 30 yards of locker room because it's these long 20 or so lockers in each section, and then they have these dividers that can go in. So if you've got like 12 wrestling teams or something there, you can split things up. So it's nice that way, but you're talking about all the lockers are on one wall, pretty much. Um, yeah, and the majority of them are on the right wall, yeah. and it's like essentially three locker rooms that they open up, but it's just a long hallway, really. It's a long hallway with lockers. Yeah, so you walk 50 yards to get there, and then you got another 30 yards. So we were like passing out bags, and you're walking them all the way down, and then you're passing out uniforms. So it was a long tiresome time and then maybe i don't remember the exact specifics of why we had to do what we did but what was we had a situation with the footballs do you remember what the problem was they got wet or something in transit i think on the truck maybe that's what it was and we had to break in some new balls too because you guys were bringing the balls up with you on the plane and they deflated and some weird stuff happened with them or maybe not all of our balls made it or something i can't i mean i can't truly remember but i just remember seeing you doing what you were doing and laughing i think (laughs) i think we had i think now that you say that i do think some got wet we were dealing with that but the other issue was i think we had some um we had uh, a little practice before we left and we didn't have time to dry the balls oh it was raining i think when we left or something torrential downpour states where so our balls got wet well we we had we had we had a kicker tryout the day we were leaving I don't know what you're talking about. So we um, dried the balls off with the towels as best we could, but when we got there, there was a number of balls that were just waterlogged that weren't going to make it. They were older, and I think we ended up pulling a couple balls before we did the little practice from the quarterback back and made them game balls and retired some old game balls. So for warm-ups, I think we needed a few more balls, and we did break out brand-new footballs. Um, So we broke out brand-new footballs at North Dakota, and we, I rubbed them up, did everything I could for them right then. But back then we weren't using mud or shaving cream or any of that special stuff that you can really get a ball practice or game ready without anyone touching it or using it. So, you know, we're throwing back ideas on what we can do. Do we go out there and just skip this ball on that turf and, and try to break it in for a while? Do we play catch with it? What Do we take it back to the hotel and do stuff with it? And Patrick just says we can throw some wet towels in a dryer if we just had a dryer. But at this point, nobody's at the stadium. It's Friday, like, night at this point. Um, we've been setting up all day. Like, North Dakota State staff has gone home. We can't just call their equipment staff and be like, hey, can you all let us use your dryer real quick? So we're walking around. I've got a bag of balls, and we're walking around the Fargo Dome just hoping we find a laundry room, pretty much. Something. Ask, trying to ask anybody that we see that might be there. But, yeah, just Yeah, saw the old praying. AstroTurf from the year before. The last year they had AstroTurf was 2011. They put the real stuff in, but they kept the AstroTurf rolled up in the <laughs> underneath the stadium. So we walked past that, walked past their locker room, just looking for stuff. And then we find this little home washer, dryer, sitting next to each other in the middle of the arena, just off to the side of, of a door. Yeah, but from like 1927. Very old. Uh, I'll give you that. Um, but I get, I can only think it's for the custodial staff or just the facility staff to like wash. Maybe. Mops. It was to wash their mops visiting team towels maybe that they provide for some of these events that aren't North Dakota state related, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, so we had, we had some wet towels threw them in that dryer and, and we're sitting there with the loudest dryer I've ever heard. Granted there's footballs in it, but I mean, you run this thing empty and it, it's going to sound like a car backfired and you toss like a kitten in a, <laughs> in a dryer. <It's> <laughs> that noise was terrible. And we've got 
like six footballs in it or something. Mm-hmm. And so we got these damp towels in there with, you know, some footballs and they're deflated a little bit, trying to break those in, you know, the old fashioned way, I guess you could say. And this random facilities worker that God bless him. <laughs> definitely from Fargo, North Dakota. Comes, Fargo. <laughs> yeah. Just comes kind of walks by and does that, like that stop and double take where he just like looks we're like, we're drying footballs. All right. He didn't really put much thought into it after that. He's just like, gave us a shoulder shrug and just went on about his day. I was like, hey, he's like, it's 8.30 at night. You're not in North Dakota State. Whatever. <laughs> Guys, I don't think Georgia Southern's going to win tomorrow. They have to dry their footballs. <laughs> they uh, they came here. You'll never believe what I saw today. There were <laughs> two clowns over there drying footballs in our dryer. Man, I'm telling you, it was one of those years where, like, if it could go wrong, it went wrong. I mean, it was constant. Just there was the Furman game. There was that one. I'm trying to remember the other games from 2012 because I just remember it being a year. I mean, Chattanooga, you go for a night game. They'd only ever beaten us like twice in history, and we go to triple overtime with them. And you're just yeah. like, it's raining. You're like, can we go home, please? Can we the just 30, end this? Yeah, let's just win this game and go home. The 30 students that were in attendance were threatening to rush the field. Oh. <laughs> like, can we please? Like, And at that point, I think we were like number two in the country. They weren't ranked. We're like, why are we in this right now? Yeah. That game. That game was rough. But we had some just interesting experience. Like I said, that was the best team I think um, we had during during my time at Georgia Southern with the FCS. But man, it was it was up and down. There was some. Um, and we opened the season with a loss to like Citadel. Yeah, we it was a, like hurricane. I remember yeah. we were unloading the truck. That was another example. Unloading the truck. Citadel had that grass area right outside where you back your truck up, and it was just a mud pit. Yeah. Trying to get trunks off there through the mud and into the locker room. We were scared to leave our truck there because we thought it might sink. Yeah. It was really, really, really raining hard. Um, they had a grass field, so we knew the laundry would be fun the next day. But that was – we had – we missed a kick. and lo- We missed, like, three kicks that game. We missed, like, three kicks that game. We, like, slipped and fell on one of them, I think. Yeah, and we lost by three. Yep. That was the one my wife, um, I was like, hey, I need someone to help me break down coach comp. Let's go. And we're going to run up. And I didn't get, you know, close game. I didn't want to miss it. I didn't get the, the early head start I usually do. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're going to run up the home stands to get to the press box. And they rush the field. And this cadet, like, runs by and does this, like, kind of like uh, the Stanford band, how the guy scores a touchdown. He just kind of goes up and comes down on the trouble player. He almost took – Alley out. It was one of those where you like grab her by the shirt, pull her back as the guy just like saves your life. Let's go. But I mean, it was we're like wow. Start the season. We went to the semifinals last year, and we've got so much talent, and we just got beat by Citadel in mm-hmm. the worst weather game ever. But the, there was that one. There was the App State game at home that we should have won. Um, we've talked about that one on here a little bit. I think maybe yeah, we we have. It was all fair. Anyway, we got robbed. SoCon officials were paid uh, by Yosef off of his moonshine money, and we uh, we lost that one. So it was just weird, weird, weird losses. I think other than other played, than those two, the only one was Georgia. Yeah, those were the only Georgia three losses. We were down like seven at halftime. Yeah, and they came out and just beat us in the second half. Just turned but around just, and handed it off a oh, hundred times and. Well, with those and with North Dakota State, we tallied it up because we lost App State by three. It was like two or three to Citadel because the kick at the end was either to win it or or to tie. And then um, North Dakota State. So it was like three games that if we don't miss a field goal in them, we we win. Yeah, we we lost by like a total of less than like 14 points the entire year. Outside of uh, Georgia. Well, I'm not counting like, Georgia because they beat the brakes. It was like off 42 us. to 14. I don't know, yeah. but it was like it was like 14 to seven and a half. It was, yeah. But yeah, so that was it. Was one of those perfect storm years where you know you're you're kind of right there on the the cusp of greatness. Yeah, I mean, we had such an amazing team, and then we go into the ODU, and wasn't that like Heineke? Wasn't he their quarterback? That was the year we beat Heineke the year before, but he was just kind of bursting onto the scene. I think he was a freshman the year before, and we beat him at home, and it was close. The second year we played them, he won the Walter Payton Award and broke Steve McNair's FCS passing record, like for one season. Yeah. He was a big deal that year. He was man. I mean, he was lighting the country up. They had a handful of receivers that could just do some silly things too, and that was a tough one. 
And we were down like 28 to three at halftime or something like that. We were just getting absolutely beat. And we, we came out and scored like going in the fourth, I think. Yeah. I, mean, I think we scored like at least 21 points in the fourth quarter. We did, and we had the, um, the big interception by J.J. Wilcox that they did not get that ball back. Patrick made sure of that. Yeah, he came over to the sideline, and he wouldn't let go of the ball. And I was like, J.J., give me the ball. And he goes, no, 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 I'm keeping it. And I was like, I know. Give me the damn ball. <laughs> I was like, it's going in our trunk. Give it to me. And he goes, oh, oh, all right, yeah, you got me. And I was like, give me the ball. Because if he didn't, like their their ball guy, their ball boys were running around looking for the football. And I was like, give it to me now so I can hide it. I don't so ODU, ODU, if you listen to this, I do apologize. I stole one of your game balls. And JJ Wilcox probably has it somewhere in his house. Probably. Patrick Screen owes ODU football seventy dollars. Is what I just heard. Mm-hmm. I can give you his address. Contact me off air, ODU. Um, but yeah, we there. I don't condone stealing other teams' footballs, but it was one of those years, man. It was crazy, and I think that sealed it, or close to sealed it. I think we were up seven, and it had been one of those like you score, we score, you score, we score. So to be up seven and then get that pick, we just knew, like that's that's gonna be that was it. it. That was it. But we scored, I think, again, or we punted. Like we ran a lot of timeout, something. Killed and a lot of time, and I think we punted and pinned them deep. Yeah, and then they were trying to drive, and then the last little hurrah there at the game was, I think it was like fourth and two, and they tried to throw one out in the flats, and John Stevenson obliterated this kid. Um, so we had with that was that was a crazy ending. It was a lot of crazy endings. I know there were some more close games other than that, but man, it just it felt like destiny for so long. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we really really hit a rhythm there, and it, it, when we came back in that that ODU game, it was kind of one of those feelings where like, I mean, we knew we had a really good team, but to be able to come back the way we did, and I was like, all right, this we could truly like possibly win this all. I mean, that I, I felt like that team could win it all. Yeah, and it, when once the playoffs started too, it felt like um, our start quarterback at the time was Jarek McKinnon. Now he's with the 49ers. He was with the Vikings for a while, but it felt like he really hit a stride and was kind of unstoppable in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, we were doing so much. I mean, our defense had like three NFL guys on it, I think, that year, four NFL guys, something like that. Yeah. It was ridiculous, man. I mean, there was so much talent on that team, but – Hey, that's football. It's part North of it, State man. State is North Dakota State for a reason. Yeah, but sorry, I get I get down whenever we talk about <laughs> North Dakota State. I, yeah, that I, thousand yard stare. <laughs> I get so down when I talk about that that place because went up there twice and the first time we went, I mean, like you said, we uh, I still feel we should have won that game. Anybody who's from North Dakota State, it's like, now nah, we had that in hand the whole time. No, we Georgia Southern should have won that game. I mean, yeah. they really should have. And then I went up there again with Richmond and. They just absolutely whooped us from the opening kickoff. I mean, they beat the crap out of us. So, and, and I mean, to be honest, that that Richmond team was there was a very good football team. North Dakota State was just that much better. I mean, they just whoop, yeah. whooped us. And they, I mean, they were so good when we played them, and it didn't help us. And I really think that one of the difference makers was we were in the locker room after ODU, the round before we went to North Dakota State. Can you really call that a locker room at ODU? Dude, it was a closet. It was interesting. Um, the smallest locker room I've been in. It was better than the training room, which was a tent outside. Well, you had to duck. Like, there was parts of it. Like, the ceiling was so low because it was built under the stands. You had to duck in parts of it. Oh, my God. Who was it? Who was that really tall offensive lineman we had that had to sit underneath it? He, I just remember he looked at me. He was like, it pointed at his chair because there weren't lockers. And he was like, I need answers. <laughs> was it like Kluber or something like that? Kluge? Kluge. Maybe it was Kluge. I don't remember who it was, but he was like, I need answers. It was so funny. But, no, they um, were standing in there afterwards, and I'm looking at scores on my phone, and um, I remember the head coach looked at me, and he said, hey, who won the other game? And I knew he was talking about He was talking about who were we playing next week, and it was Wofford, North Dakota State. And, you know, we're cleaning up the coach's locker room, and I whip my phone out, and I'm looking at it, and I think North Dakota State beat them like 13 to 10 or something. Crazy low-scoring game. But they ran a similar offense, Wofford did, to us. So we knew it was kind of like, could they play anybody else, please, and not have basically two weeks to prep for us. And look at it, and I was like, oh, they won, like, da-da-da. And he's like, well, we're going back to Fargo. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just looking at the stats as you do. And what was it Grant Olson? Who was their 
middle linebacker. I think it was. I think, I think it was. But I look, and he had like 26 tackles or something. And I'm like, uh, da 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 I had 26 tackles. And I'll never forget my head coach is still getting dressed and like, you know, trying to do his hair. You have to look, you know, nice when you get back on the bus and all that stuff. We're going to have a welcome committee is going to meet us when we get off the plane back in Statesboro. So he's getting dressed and stuff. And he just kind of turns and looks at me and goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, he's on. So as good as as good as we knew our guys were, were clicking right then, they were too. And that made for a really great game. And, and they turned their lights off. To anyone that hasn't watched it, go watch on YouTube, North Dakota State's um, entrance into the Fargo Dome. It's pretty cool. They turn all the lights off in there. They have the yellow and green spotlights going around. I think they're playing Thunderstruck. Yep. And uh, the team runs out of, of a tunnel right there. But we, uh, our players, when the lights went off, went and stood at midfield. Do you remember this? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we woke the beast up or what, but we went and stood at midfield. Basically to show them, like, hey, you guys have a cool entrance. We're not scared of you. And that's what their mentality was. But at the same time, like you said, it could have had a little extra there. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they came out of the tunnel, and you could see it in a few of them. There was not fear, but like, oh, like no one's ever done this. Like They were kind of surprised because the lights cut on, and you see an entire football team. They were telling support staff to get out there. There was like anyone on this sideline go stand in midfield. We're equipment. We're like, mm, we're gonna, we're gonna good. Comm unit. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we're good. But you got the, like a hundred people standing at midfield, and you run out, and you're not expecting to see them from your sideline. It's amazing we didn't get a fight before the game even started. Yeah, if that had been more of a rivalry, if we'd have played them more often, there would have oh, been yeah. a fight. Oh yeah, that would have been a fight if it was App State or maybe even Wofford or Furman at that time. Wofford. Doubt it. Doubt it. Furman used to be a big one, but everyone forgets now that they're still FCS. And we moved up, but that's what made breaking their chair leg that much sweeter. Yeah, I mean, do they even compete with football anymore? Yeah, they. Uh, two years ago, I think. I think because they had a lot of down years there for a while. They did, but they got they got shafted two years ago. They won. They split a share of the SoCon with two other teams, and the other two teams made the playoffs, and they did not. <laughs> I think it was like Eastern Kentucky and Wofford. I think Jeez. three of them won it, and the other two made the playoffs, and Furman didn't. So, well, it's like I mean, it, I hate to say it this way, and the, you know, one of the things that I didn't necessarily love, one of the decisions I didn't necessarily love at the time. I mean, I've I don't have any say in it. You know, it's my alma mater, so it is what it is. You know, so I can I still root for them, and I'm never going to stop rooting for them. But when App State and Georgia Southern left the Southern Conference to move up to go to, and again. I'm not saying anything against anybody else, but to go to like the Sun Belt Conference where you'll never compete for another national championship again. Yeah. You lose some of the rivalries that you had. I mean, don't tell me that you didn't. I mean, I hated playing it's, them, but I love the fact that I hated playing them. But like going against Wofford every year. It's hard for me. Um, like I, I understand. And I was, I'll say full disclosure, I was at school in Georgia Southern made that decision to move up. Um and I voted yes because I was really excited about that. I knew for us, if we voted yes, we were also voting yes to a $25 student increase to student fees. And that was going to partially fund them adding the second deck. And I think they'd already said they were going to build the football operations building over there, which is there now. Because we used to be at the basketball arena and every game was a road game. We'd have to take our stuff. We'd have to so, pack a truck and go to the stadium. Yeah, so I said yes to Bright Lights and, like, what Georgia Southern is now, right? We weren't yeah. on ESPN on Thursday nights or Friday nights and stuff like we are now, which is funny because we wanted that while we were FCS. Now fans hate it because they can't make those games. Yep. So it's kind of a catch-22. But I will say as a fan, completely removed, understanding the, the monetary reasons for doing it in the business of college athletics, I miss the SOCON as a Georgia Southern fan. But I grew up – I was born in Statesboro. I grew up going to Georgia Southern games. My mom graduated from Georgia Southern. We had season tickets. So we would go, and I, I remember watching the original Adrian Peterson when I was a little kid, dominating the SOCON, two national championships, all that stuff. And I, in college, always hated Furman more than App State. And, and now people are just like, what? Furman was our rival. I mean, we beat Furman in 1985 to win our first national title. We lost to them i think in 88 in the playoffs or something i mean we then we joined the same conference with them and there was already that hatred built up it's like joining north dakota state 
you know, and, and played in the same conference with them for 20 years at that point. We, we hated them, and um, they used to beat us at home, and then we'd go up there and beat them, and it was a lot more, there was a lot more on the line. App State was always a good team. But until Armani Edwards came along, you guys weren't winning national championships. You weren't. Uh, 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 we did. What year? The the year before he got there. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. But everyone associates the three P. Armani's the the central figure. You're right though. Until 2005. So like the early 2000s, Furman was really good. Uh, they were making deep runs. Georgia Southern went to you know four. Um, yeah, they went to four national championships in a row and won two of them. But Furman was really good in the 90s. They were often who we had to go through being the way they do seating in the playoffs to, to get to the championship game. So that rivalry was a lot more special for me. Wofford was, was always some good stuff. We played Wofford in the playoffs twice, I think while I was in college. Probably. So, yeah, so it was good, but I do, I'm, I'm with you. Like we, along with App State there at the end, we ran that conference. Everyone yeah. else was, Wofford was good and would make the playoffs, but they were a distant third to, to Georgia Southern and App State. And then Furman, you could say, was like a fourth. And But the Chattanooga games are fun. Western Carolina was a fun trip. It's beautiful up there. Um, and Cullowee, the it's very scenic. Go to the uh, Cher- Cherokee Casino. Yeah. The Samford, I mean, it's all right. Go to Birmingham. Five. It's all right to go to Birmingham, but for the longest time, their setup was terrible, and you had to walk three-quarters of a mile just to get to this field, and their press box was not great until they built their new stuff. And I mean, now it's a lot better, but initially when they joined the conference, they were a pain. Like, yeah. Sanford was a pain. And it's nothing against the people that worked there. I mean, they had no no control over that, especially like the equipment guys. But I just remember it, even being a student, I, I looked at my boss, and I was like, the F is this? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, that was a lot of FCS football, and to an extent, it still is. But man, it was just there was something about like we talked about how we liked their playoff system more than the college football playoff. And, man, it was exciting, dude. I mean, I, I I do miss the FCS for that reason, but we can't argue that that our schools have gotten more exposure moving up. But it's we're old, you know. We're gonna miss the good old times. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think right now we should take a break, and we're gonna get back to it because I do want to talk about. You know the rivalry um, with App State and Georgia Southern about that that conference, the conference change and moving up, and and how both of those schools were part of it. Because if one of them voted yes and the other voted no, I think I'd have been a travesty. So, yep. you know, we're gonna let's let's take a real quick break, and um, we'll get into that a little bit when we get back. Welcome back, guys. Scott, let's uh, let's get back into what we were kind of talking about there earlier. Um, and, you know, my thoughts on it and my feelings on it. If one or the other of those schools, App State or Georgia Southern, had decided to move up in the other state, I, I felt like that had kind of been a travesty to college football and college football fans that, that enjoyed it on the FCS level. I mean, obviously not everybody gives a, gives a crap about App State, Georgia Southern football. Um, but I think that's a great rivalry. It's... It's been so back and forth, especially recently. Like you, you said, you know, it was it's similar to kind of the way it was with Furman, where you know Georgia Southern will come up and beat up, beat App at home, and vice versa. And I miss the fact that they're an FCS school and being able to compete for national championships. Because I guarantee you this: if they'd have stayed, North Dakota State wouldn't have the run that they had. I'm just telling you, that wouldn't happen. I mean, I, it's hard for me because I, I'm so in awe of them and what's happened it just seems like someone would have upset them by now and um it looked like jmu had done that taking them off the seat beating them at their place which just doesn't happen but the next year they're right back you know the next two years actually they're right back to winning it so it's it's unreal i mean app state my most recent and the most recent memories of app state in the playoffs was after armani left you know it it was kind of up and down you guys would go to the playoffs and then choke I mean, Georgia Southern was, you could say they were doing the same. Mm-hmm. We just weren't going to the playoffs. Then we went to three straight semifinals. Delaware, there was like six turnovers um, in 2010, and then they lost to Eastern Washington in the championship. North Dakota State beat the crap out of us, but we had a really good year leading up to that and should have put up more of a fight than we did probably. Mm-hmm. And then last year, like we said, you know, you get a field goal blocked at the end of the game. You give up a bad you know, drive. For them to win, go ahead there in the last couple minutes. So, I mean, you could say the same for Georgia Southern, but does anyone upset them? I don't know. But I was a student at the time, so I can't say this with any kind of 
authenticity, but I really believe that it was a package deal. I think the Sun Belt wouldn't have wanted one if the other didn't come. Because one thing the Sun Belt doesn't have is great rivalries, um, at least not before you know Georgia Southern and, and App State joined. Georgia State had joined, I think, a year or two prior, and they don't have rivalries with anyone, but they consider Georgia Southern rivals. Georgia Southern kind of laughs at them a little bit. Um, it's like a redheaded stepchild. Yeah, I mean they just they don't have any history, and that's all Georgia Southern is. I mean, let's be honest, they're they're so rooted in their traditions and the founding of the program, and that they just they're gonna laugh at Georgia State all day long. But and, and Georgia State's won a few of those games to give them credit. It just doesn't. I mean, Georgia Southern loses games to Louisiana Lafayette. They don't consider them a rival. But that, <laughs> you know what I mean. So they that 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 was something that I think the Sun Belt wanted to bring them both. But it would have been a little bit of a travesty if one went up without the other because it was a great rivalry. For me, you'll probably get mad. But for me, it still holds true. It's becoming less of this now because we moved up together. But it was always App State needed the Georgia Southern rivalry to have a rivalry because Western Carolina was so illegitimate. But Georgia Southern was perfectly fine with Furman as a rival. Georgia Southern had a strong rival absent of App State. And I think the App State rivalry really didn't become a thing until after the early 2000s when App State really started beating the absolute brakes off Georgia Southern and winning conference after conference after conference, kind of upsetting the throne a little bit. So I think it's a more recent rivalry, but the growing up, man, the Furman one was just the one. But now you take away all the rivals and Georgia State's trying to step up and be kind of the new Furman for Georgia Southern, I guess, but the, the fans just don't care. It's all rooted in App State, and because App State's been been so good lately, there's that hate is getting deeper and deeper within that con- that rivalry, for sure. Yeah, I mean, again, this is also nothing... I mean, I, I say this every single freaking time, but uh, nothing against Western, but I think for like 12 straight years, App... And they, they used to fight for... Bad. Yeah, they used to fight for like a moonshine jug. Literally, I think that, that was like the trophy. It was, a, it was a jug of moonshine. Yeah, it was something like that. It was like the old mountain jug, I think is what they call it. But, uh, I mean, Western just had a lot of bad teams. Uh, you know, they've gotten better recently, but it's not a rivalry anymore because App State's no longer FCS. And I, th- I swear to God, it was like one time over the like over a 12-year span, Western won. And then like the next year, they got beat like 49-3. to Was that the, the game they tore the goalpost down and put it up at the – the house at the top of the hill. It, it may still be this way. I don't know if anyone's been recently that's listening, but if you're in Western Stadium and you look directly up at the visitor side and it's off to the right, kind of where their weight room is in that one end zone, it's caddy corner there, there's a house, a big house at the top of the hill. And someone told me, yeah, that's the president's house. That's a goalpost that the fans tore down um, after they beat App State. I, th- I think it was App State, but apparently yeah. the fans tore the goalpost down and carried it up to the president's house and planted it. I don't know if that's the true story, but there's definitely a goalpost. Up. So that might or might not have happened when App beat Michigan. They literally took it to the chancellor's front yard, the goalpost, carried them all the way to his front yard. From we- the Michigan Stadium? Nope. We were at Michigan, beat Michigan. A bunch of people... Yeah, this is how dumb people are. I'm just going to throw this. This is how dumb State is. Went and tore down our goalposts and threw them in Chancellor Peacock's front yard. Bro, like, you can't make this up. Well, I mean, let's, let's, Georgia Southern was number one. App State was unranked at one point, and you guys came in to, to Boone, and we beat you, and we ran a goalpost through the front of your bus. That did happen. That Yeah, they had to get plywood and put it on the front window. Classless fans at App State, obviously. Just looking for an excuse to do some kind of vandalism and property damage, win or lose. Unbelievable. <laughs> and to themselves, for that matter. It's just unbelievable. I mean... It's a true football rivalry, though, and I think that's where I'll give It's you evolved a- into one, but like you said, though, like it wasn't one to it begin with. Anything. It wasn't yeah. it, it came out of strictly competition because the schools are not very close. It's like a seven-hour drive. But I'll give Georgia State credit there that for Georgia Southern, that is more of a all-sports type thing. We just don't yeah. really care when it comes to football. But the, the soccer teams have had some Sunbelt. I know everyone's like, so- college soccer, but the soccer teams have had – some Sunbelt tournament games. I think they played in the championship. Obviously, Georgia State's a big basketball school. And I think Georgia Southern's last game before things got shut down was they beat um, Georgia State in the conference tournament. Like in this, uh, I think they lost the conference tournament, so they would have played the next game and lost, but they beat them in the tournament. So, I mean, there's some stuff going on there where App State, man, I just look at, and you can tell me more and educate me, but they just, to, from an outsider's perspective, are a football school through and through. 
and yeah, like football and uh, wrestling and, and track and field was what like they were best at. I mean, the wrestling, I think, always competed for a SoCon um, when they were there. And the track team was always really good. The funniest moment that I remember when I was a student, we had we had a really I mean, we actually had a, a quality track team. We had some stud, some stud runners for the Southern Conference. Um, but we got like the four fastest guys on our football team, like Dexter Jackson, who played for the Buccaneers for a couple of years. Like he was on the cover of sports illustrated cause he caught two slants and made the slow DBs for Michigan miss and ran by them all. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean like he was he part was of it, but yeah, I mean he was, he was very fast. I mean he was, a, he was a sprinter in general. Like that's just kind of what his background was. Um, but yeah, they got like the four fastest guys and like in the four by four by one, like we toasted our team, toasted our track <laughs> team. Toasted. Just salted the wounds a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, it's just because, like, I mean, that football team had so many dang athletes. But, yeah, it's, it, I mean, they might have gotten better at other sports since I was there. Yeah. But I just know that when I was there, like, it was it was football and then every other sport. I mean, there were, we just weren't great at anything else. Um, yeah. I mean, that, and that's what's going to that's what's going to hold them back from ever making it to another conference. too. anybody who thinks that, oh, like, upstate should join the ACC or this and that. Well, no, because you bring nothing to the table for them. That yeah, the business side of athletics is lost on the average fan, and and that's the same deal for Georgia Southern. They've got an above average baseball program, mm-hmm. beautiful stadium. They've put a lot of money into it, um, into that program, and they've had a longtime head coach there that's kind of beloved in the community. So, you've got a good program there, but basketball, it's a really old facility built in the seventies, doesn't seat much. I think about four thousand. They've done a nice job of putting some facelifts on it and making it look better, especially for TV and things like that. They're getting a new court right now, I actually saw, but they're not very successful. Historically. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can't tell you the last time Georgia Southern made the tournament. Um, I think they might have made the NIT a few years ago, but anyway. that, that it's just You're not bringing much in terms of other sports that are going to elevate a conference, and the ACC doesn't need another football school, right? No, no. They're good. They're winning national championships. They're good. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, the same could be said for, you know, the AAC and, you know, the American where it's it's some people are calling them and they market themselves as the power six because they're I think they're head and shoulders better when it comes to football. Than every other conference. Yeah. Than every other conference. Well, even but, at basketball, they're good at basketball, too. I mean, they are they got legit basketball programs, but that's where it hurts. them. That's what hurts the Georgia Southerns and, and the App States who who maybe are successful at football and have had a few good you know, years, especially App State, more so than Georgia Southern with this, it's not really apply. But App State's been really top 25 contender, contender for uh, a New Year's Bowl, Bowl the last two years, if not for Georgia Southern. You're welcome. And they they really they still would have probably taken like Boise over us and whoever it was that got yeah, it. Yeah, it's still a long shot because of the Sun Belt doesn't have that status. But that's, that's the hard thing. It was like, okay, we could bring you, but you would be average at best probably in the beginning playing at this level of, of the AAC. And even if you're above average, that's just football. What happens after football season? How's your basketball team? Can you compete with Cincinnati? Yeah, basketball, baseball, um, yeah. men's and women's basketball, baseball, softball. Um, I mean, I know what other sports does App State have that, that would be worth it? Like, it, I, just, I, just, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to be that way because it's my alma mater and I hate talking bad about them. But, like, if you have nothing else to offer to a conference aside from football, which, yes, football is a big driving reason for schools to move up and do the things that they do but i mean that's it yeah that's what we're saying and that's the sad thing too because georgia southern's got like a nationally ranked women's rifle team and it's so cool to have a girl that's going out for the olympics um until it got postponed i guess she'll probably still try for next year now but she was she was going to go out to colorado i think it wasn't trained for the olympics that's awesome but that's not a driving factor for conference realignment and that's that's kind of what we're getting at uh it's, but it's, conference realignment is coming. It's coming, and that's why it's, it's really weird right now. I think that conference realignment could be moved up by coronavirus because people have been talking about it's going to happen. Do do teams try to make things more regional to save on costs? I mean, it's not going to happen this year, but our team's going to look and conference is going to look at their membership in a different way because of everything that's happened. That's what we don't know. But you talk about teams – you know, being realigned and, and conferences are not going to these super conferences that are going to come about. They're not going to be football only conferences. So if you've got the big 12 
looking to get to actually 12 or more teams. Don't be surprised to see Cincinnati and maybe make that make that jump. Seriously. Yeah, but Cincinnati, like we said, Cincinnati's got some some other sports other than just football. That's where it gets hard is everyone wants to put their money into their football program, and that's great. It's a big revenue sport for most universities. But if that's all you're putting your money into and if that's all that's successful at your university, I hope you like your conference. Yeah, or, you know, don't ex- – I mean, I hope you like your conference, but don't expect to get – that you know that phone call saying hey we want you to join this conference and we want to do this realignment with you guys because it's just not going to happen and like you said i mean you met, you had a good point where it, there might be a shift more to a regional type deal i mean what is it like big east has schools all across the mid- midwest yeah or sorry what's the, in the big 10's got like 16 schools in it now or something like that the, the big 10 i think has more than 10 but the big 12 i think only has 10 or something yeah. like that it's it's weird um don't even have like a conference championship game. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's so confusing. But it's if you're gonna do these big conferences, I think regional is a good way to do it. But I mean, there's so many ideas being thrown out there, and nothing seems official. But I like the idea of the whole promotion relegation with you know that soccer has um, in Europe for for football because, like we said, like does App State deserve to make a national championship or a playoff going 12 and 0 on a season? No. Well, no. Belt's got a game now, got a conference championship, so you could be 13 and 0. No, but if they do it this year, maybe put them into a better conference, and if they can do it against better competition the next year, okay. Yeah, but then that really divides things, and so then you could end up playing for like six different conferences. Yep. With your sports, and then like the conferences really don't mean as much. Nope. And where you don't. I think of two words: removable patches. Yeah, I mean, then then you're getting into. Oh well, I go to University of Cincinnati, where we're members of the Big Twelve, Big Ten, AAC, uh, Mountain West, um, Sun Belt, like all these different. Like you don't need that. I, you know, no. it. You need to solidify what your conferences are, and it's and it's a lot harder too for Olympic sports because there are. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it might well, have been some conferences that don't offer some sports either. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't remember what school I was. I think it was Richmond, where like our golf teams competed in the Patriot League. Yeah, the Richmond is that way because I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Richmond's basketball team is not in the CAA. A10. Yeah, and baseball I think is the same way. Yeah, they're A10. Yeah, so they're only CAA for what football? Basically, just football. Yeah, so I mean, there's there, there's. Different things like that. I know, like Kennesaw State is Big South for football, and then everything else is A10. Yeah. So, I mean, so I mean, it can be done, and it is done. It's done across the board for a lot of schools. But I, you know, personally think that they should try to consolidate these conferences and consolidate these teams, and yeah, probably break it up a little bit because what might There's happen in teams too. So, do we see? you know, a true division zero, like people have been talking about, or a division, you know, a split between division one, where the power five go off and do their own thing, and everyone else is now in the second tier of college football, and what is now the FCS, which is the second tier, becomes the third tier. That's the other thing people are talking about. I mean, when you talk about how... And with that, then you create an expanded playoff, and whoever comes out on top of the second tier of like those that group of five then gets thrown into the playoff yeah i mean that would be fine that'd be fair but i mean to an extent i guess if you're a mid-tier of power five you're gonna be like well why can't we just move down if we move down we dominate the second division and we'd have a playoff spot but it's tough because right now you've got 130 ish teams at the fbs level and realistically what 60 70 can can play for a playoff play for a national championship if they go undefeated maybe yeah i mean there's you've got to think ucf already proved it even though boise state's proved it before but you can go undefeated from a g5 conference and it does not matter you're not making a playoff and so how many teams are in you know a conference if there's an average of 10 that's 50 even though some conferences have 12 and we, we won't get into all that but so if you're looking at you know at least half ish of the teams that play college football right now at the FBS level realistically cannot play for a national championship. That might be a sign that that division's too big. Exactly. It's there's it's coming. 
something's going to have to happen. And if it's another break and, uh, and the one thing you're going to have to look at too, is will they take schools that are considered what mid major and move them down to what is now like the FCS level? Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's been a, a joke for Georgia Southern fans and, this year was rough with the weather this year for Georgia Southern games. It was really bad. My mom was complaining about a lot being a uh, – still she still holds season tickets. Um, I can't get her to come to games that I'm working a lot uh, for my team. I just – mom, come to one a year. She's like, well, none of them fall on days that Georgia Southern's on the road, so I'm not coming. She's, she's still Georgia Southern through and through. More than she loves me, she loves Georgia Southern. But – the, it's the understandable. Attendance, <laughs> the attendance for like Georgia State has always been something that's been mocked, but they're not alone. There's a lot of teams at the FBS level that have poor attendance, and they're able to do something to make those numbers work because there is an attendance requirement for being an FBS program. I think it's like a rolling attendance of ten thousand or something over yeah. a two-year period. Well, and that's per game. Like, if if teams are, do they change that to to clean up the division, so to speak? To to thin out that herd, because if you're not that successful and you're not going to play for a national championship, realistically, then you're not going to have people at your games. Because the App States, UCF, Cincinnati, Boise State, they have people at their games, and they're good mid-major programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's there's so many other factors that have to go into it that I'm not yeah. even aware of, and that I don't even know. No, we're not. We're not geniuses. We're just two equipment guys talking crap right now. Yeah, I mean, we're just kind of throwing ideas off the wall and seeing what sticks at this point. Um, but it's going to be such a, a shift in, in the sport. And especially because of this coronavirus, you're going to see so many differences coming up for this year and this season. Uh, you know, we're all hoping to get football back and, and athletics in general. Um, I just hope that there's not a level of disappointment when yeah. that product that comes onto the field isn't what we're used to seeing. Cause it's not going to be, I mean, yeah, I mean, I hope I hope it is, but I think we've got to be really careful about how we bring kids back to avoid injuries for sure. But and their nutrition has got to be something that's focused on because it's probably been subpar. Um, and we've hit all hit on all that already. But yeah, I mean, hopefully we're able to to get it going, and hopefully um, the product's not too bad. I don't think that's going to be as much of a concern as a, for me as I'm going to be more concerned with the product off the field. The on-the-field stuff, I think, will get figured out, and it'll be even because everyone's gone through the same thing. But how weird is it going to be if some teams can have fans in their stadiums, even if it's limited, and other teams can't have anyone there? Like, you know, I mean, if you if you play a game in California, if they let it happen with no fans because they've been a little stricter, but then they go, you know, you turn around and go to Arizona for the next week for a conference game, those California teams are not having any home-field advantage with fans and Arizona's got 30,000 of a 60,000 capacity stadium. Yeah. Like, that's that's weird, man. Like, are they going to pipe in crowd noise like Germany's been trying to do? Like, It's just weird to see yeah, that. It's weird. And we hate it because we've all been there where we've had experiences at equipment managers of smaller schools where coaches are like, oh, we're going to such and such. It's going to be loud. Let's play crowd noise during practice. Yep. We set a speaker on fire one time when I was at Nevada because of the crowd noise. Sure, it wasn't just my mixtape playing. No, it was crowd noise. Literally, <laughs> we burned well, something out in that sucker, but that's awful. Yeah. But taking it, taking it back um, to what we originally started talking about, I would like to finish up with you um, sharing one little tidbit to with your whole app state rivalry, and a little bit into your character a little bit. I think, I think, I think this really speaks on your character where i mean it's not every day that someone's resume gets branded and yours did you want to you want to share that story as to as to what you've been labeled and it will stay with you forever (sighs) (laughs) so no um yeah i was when i was out at nevada i was looking to get back towards the east coast wanting to get a little closer to home and uh you know i was just ready to, to move on from that job and had been told about the opening at georgia southern and immediately sent my my resume in and applied for the job went through that whole process and was you know offered the job basically on the way to the airport and was told like hey you know take take a day or two to think about it but you know we we want you to come here and 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 work work with us so was super excited about that and was you know excited about an opportunity a new opportunity a new start for myself and you know for me professionally 
And once I eventually get over to, to Georgia Southern and start working, um, was going through some paperwork that was sitting on my desk and came across the stack of resumes of, or, you know, the, the narrowed down list of resumes of the people that kind of came on for on-campus interviews and or phone, phone interviews for that part. But uh, flipped through to find mine because they had written notes on all of them and wanted to kind of see what they had said about me. And the very top of the resume right next to my name the uh, assistant equipment manager for uh, Olympic sports. I'm not going to say their name, <laughs> but decided to just write in all caps right next to my name, traitor. And because I was an app state alum, they felt that it was not okay that I was, I guess, coming to, to work at, at Georgia Southern. And it was kind of weighing against me, apparently, from what I understand that uh, I almost didn't get the job because of, of my, my degree. Well, and you, uh, we lost that game uh, that year by three points. Do you want to address the rumors now that you sold our playbook to App State and your connections that you had there? Didn't need to. App State was a better team. Oh, my God. And this is why he's a traitor. So he was an insider. George Southern's paying his bills. He's secretly wearing his black and gold T-shirt underneath his polo on game day. No, we had a white. I wore a white polo that day. I couldn't wear anything underneath. Couldn't couldn't hide it. (laughs) Yeah, we were white at home. Good catch. Yeah, no, I mean, it was funny. It's one of those that, that it was it was written, uh, I think, mostly in jest. I wasn't really around for, for the conversations that circled that. I was around for his interview, um, and it, we went to breakfast together. That was lovely, but honestly, not very impressive. Nothing to write home about, but he got the job, and here he is. But he, I think it was mostly joking, and I think there was a lot, I think, Patrick will tell you too. He had a good relationship with that person um, when he came in, the assistant and and the head guy. Uh, but love her to death. Yeah, I was gonna say it. love her to death. She, I mean, we like you said, it I was done in jest. It, it was. <laughs> I, I joke about it. it. You know, they gave me a hard time basically the entire time I was there, and it was all you know, good fun, and um, you know, it's things we laugh about. But yeah, I mean, it uh, that was definitely something that made me laugh, and I pin that sucker up uh in front of my desk right beside my my computer monitor so that uh i never let her forget what she thought of me before she ever met me patrick's one from mementos if you couldn't tell from this episode that that actual leg of that chair that we broke sat on top of his desk even after he vacated it um i want to say it sat there until we moved into the new building before the 2014 season so it sat there for like two whole years um and i don't know what happened to it in the move because we essentially moved i would say 70 percent of that equipment room was football related and we moved to a new building and and now it's a lot more organized functional room but it just has olympic sports in it but it um it sat there for two years i mean it was patrick put it up there i kind of wouldn't let anyone get rid of it after that yeah i mean it was just such a funny story and when when you win the game after it too, I mean, if we'd have lost, we would have probably left that window propped open with that sucker in there and just gone about our business. But yeah, uh, it was kind of the triumph of the moment and a little little memento. There's nothing wrong with having some mementos. But Scott, I think that might might wrap it up for us. We've been rambling on for for quite some time here, and people are probably getting bored with us. So probably we'll be back uh, next week. I think next week will be another student manager interview episode but if you guys want to send us in you can go on the anchor app or possibly on the website i haven't tried it but you can go on anchor uh the app where our podcast is found you can send us voice memos you can send us twitter instagram dms you can send us an email tell us your funny stories we think these story time episodes i mean every equipment manager's got a story we've heard some good ones from just a couple of the interviews we've had on here already but if you want to share your story with us, feel free to do so. I mean, hey, if it's if it's good enough, maybe we can bring you on and, and ask you to expand on what you said because it's just too ridiculous for me to believe over an email. But, uh, yeah, just let us know your great stories. I think that's one of the pluses of this profession is that we've, we've got a lifetime of stories by the time you walk away from it just because uh, there's a lot of characters in athletics for sure. Yeah, and, and for what it's worth, regardless of whether we can put it on the podcast or not, send it in. Um, I mean, if it's if it's a crazy, crazy story and you'd rather us not put it out there, but you just want to share it with us so that we can talk a little bit and (laughs) kind of have a little little open dialogue, please, please send them in. Because like Scott said, we love hearing these things and and sharing in your guys experiences and 
Um, We've got no. plenty that we can't share on here too. Yeah, no, um, more than more than plenty. But please reach out to us. We want to hear from you guys and hear how everybody's doing. I know um, at this point in time, it's not even coronavirus that's keeping us all down. There's a lot of other things in the world that are happening, and um, to be able to share some positivity with all of you guys and hopefully, you know, brighten your day a little bit, we'd love to be able to be part of that. So reach out. We love hearing from you guys. But that's going to do it for us today. And Scott, thanks so much for sitting here with me and sharing some stories, man. Yeah, man. That note, we are out.